Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Join me in John chapter 5, verse 36. I'm going to read one verse and you can be seated. It's good to be in, as Darryl, Brother Darrell said, it's good to be in his house today. It's good to feel his presence with all the sickness that's going around. It's, it's good to be well enough to be in church. I feel blessed today. John, John chapter 5, verse 36, the Bible says, But I have greater witness than that of John, for the works which, which the Father hath given me to finish the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. So you may be seated today. Today as we start the new series this month, Jesus first, we talk about today, we're going to talk about Jesus first stopped at the pool of Bethesda and healed a man who had been lame for 38 years. Once he stood up and this man stood up and walked, Jesus walked toward a multitude who was hungry for bread and the bread of life. Miraculously, Jesus fed a city full of people with a sack, sack lunch, and then he fed their souls with the word of God. After their meal, Jesus walked on water to rescue a, to his scared-to-death disciples. Yet after all the evidence of his of his of his of all the evidence that's been shared, the crowd still rejected him as their Messiah. So this month we're going to talk about who Jesus is, and we're going to talk about different stories. You know, today we're going to talk about the thirty-eight years, or thirty-eight years. This is kind of the title of the session. We're going to talk about the the man healed from Bethesda. Hopefully. Hopefuls gathered in New York City, Times Square, to signal the dawning of a new year as December 31st gave away to January the 1st. Perhaps this year would be the best year of their lives. You know, we just went through the new year season of life and always at the new year we look for the new year, excited about what had happened in the new year. It, was, it began as a year of promise. During the first month, NASA was scheduled to launch a shuttle carrying a teacher into space. Krista Manolov was going to be the first teacher and astronaut, and she was scheduled to conduct experiments and teach two lessons to the world from space. However, only 73 seconds after the launch, the Challenger broke apart and was lost all seven astronauts on board, including the teacher. While mourning the loss of the Challenger's crew, another disaster shook the world just three months later. One of the nuclear reactors at the, the Chernobyl nuclear plant in Ukraine exploded, claiming the lives of 31 people and contaminating the surrounding areas. Thousands more later died as a result of the fallout and the contamination. Although today tourists visit this site, 
The surrounding area remains radioactive. Tourists may, must wear protective suits and masks, and each visit must last no longer than five minutes. To help the world take their minds off of these major tragedies, the, the Phantom of the Opera opened its rounds to applause at the Majesty's Theatre in London in the October of that same year. The Phantom ran for 13,629 performances before its final curtain call in 2020. Those major news of making life-changing world events seemed to happen a lifetime ago. They were, they were 38 years ago. 38 years ago was 1986. Sometimes a long time ago, right? Or sometimes some, some of us that was alive at that time, or some of us that have been through that some of that time, seems like it was just yesterday. But 38 years from now would be 2062. 38 years can be a, a, be a long time. Can I tell you today, the world has changed quite a bit in the 38 years. Ronald Reagan was the President of the United States. Here's one. Gasoline was 86 cents a gallon. Changed a little bit, right? A new modest-sized home was less than $90,000. But the annual medium salary was just under 30000 For a fast-moving, jet-setting business person or a growing family, 38 years could seem to just scream by in just a blink of an eye. But for a person living with a, with a, a paralyzation in his life, relying on others for food and for shelter, 38 years could have crawled a lot slower and could seem like a lifetime. Today, Jesus, we're going to talk about Jesus. Jesus was not a household name. But after he turned the water to wine at a wedding, people were asking questions about him. They were asking who he is. How did he do that? Questions like, who else can do what he just did? They were asking questions, but within days, Jerusalem was bustling with travelers and tourists coming to the feast. When Jesus arrived, he led his followers past the merchants that was peddling their overpriced, merchant, overpriced wares into one of the saddest sights in Jerusalem. Jesus clearly wasn't angling for a tour guide job because this was one, not one of the areas of town that you would take tourists to. You would want to wow them with a good door of the temple or the, or the, the pomp and the circumstances of the Roman soldiers at the, at the fortress. Or, but you don't want to take them to... But, but you want to take them to this part of town. Homeless, this was, in our day, would be considered like one of the homeless communities. You know, we go, in, a few years ago, we was traveling, and we was in a big city, and I think it was for a conference or something, and we, went, we actually made a, maybe a wrong turn, and we went down a wrong street, and, and all of a sudden we've come into a homeless community where there were people that were of all different, I mean, there were hundreds of people in this area that was living on the streets and living in life and living things, you know, that were, that were living like this. And that's kind of what this pool, of, this pool was like and this place of time was. It was a teeming with hurting humanity. The book of John records that sick, blind, lame, and paralyzed people were all living their lives out at this pool. 
They wanted their healings. But they believed they had to wait until the waters were, were stirred in the pool to receive their healing. As Jesus wound his way through the sea of sick, sick and paralyzed people, he met a man who had been disabled for 38 years. Jesus knew exactly when the man was laid there and when he had left there. So he cut right, right past through the chit-chat and asked a seemingly obviously question. In John 5 and 6, he says, Wilt thou be made whole? He asked him, Wilt thou be made whole? Put that in our terms today. He said, Would you like to be well? Can I ask? I imagine some a lot of sick people. We have a lot of sick people in church today or not here today. I imagine if you was asked one of them just in their sickness that they're going through right now, would they like to be well? Because you imagine being dealing with something like this man had been for 38 years and being asked, would you like to be well? First thing you would say was, of course I would like to be well. Yes, I would like to be well. But this man didn't give Jesus an answer. He gave him an excuse. He said in John 5 and 7, he says, I have, I have no man when the waters is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. He said, I would be well already, but I have no one to help me. 38 years ago, this man lost his strength. But just a few, late, few years later, he lost his hope. Life and things that we go through in life have a way of taking our hope. When we go through trials that don't turn out like we think they should, or we, we go through trials that last longer than we think they should last, we lose hope. When we go through storms that last longer than one night, we begin to get weary in the storm and we lose hope. But at this man's hopelessness answer, Jesus did not even flinch. Because he had, didn't have no hope, Jesus didn't back up from what he was going to do. He did not even flinch. He commanded the man. He looked at him and says, rise, take thy bed and walk. Immediately, a man who had not walked for, in 38 years stood to his feet, steadied himself, and walked. One simple, one simple command from Jesus Christ erased a generation-long illness that gave this man a new, brand-new beginning. As this man carried his bed away from the pool, we may be left with more questions than we have answers. When we look at this from our, own, from our side, when we look at this from the story, or we look at this, we say, why did, why did Jesus heal this man? Did this man even have faith? When Jesus asked him what he needed or did he want to be healed, he didn't show faith. He didn't show like in his response. He didn't, he didn't show he had faith. So why did Jesus heal him? Because, you know, we, we, we preach that we heal by our faith. Were other people healed? Or were other people not healed? Or why did he just pick out this one person? To be healed. John did not tell us why Jesus chose this man, but Jesus walked in among hurting humanity and healed this man. And he walked. While all miracles are of, for the glory of God, 
This miracle appears to be Jesus giving strength and hope to a man who had lost both. Jesus cared for this man. And can I tell you today, he cares for each one of us. Today, perhaps you may be battling an addiction that has stolen your past. Or maybe you're battling something that threatens your future. But can I tell you today, Jesus cares for you enough to set you free. Maybe it's a sickness that has snapped your health and even your hope. Jesus cares enough for you to sit next to you, sit next to you as the doctors reads this diagnosis. But he also sits, Jesus is, 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 Jesus will heal you from your sickness. But if he doesn't heal you, he will give you grace to make it through it. Can I tell you today, I've been through some things in life that God instantly healed. God has instantly healed my body from sickness. I've seen him heal my wife. I've seen him heal things, people in life. But also I have seen him give us, give things that we go through personally, things in my life that we went through that went on for years. And God didn't take care of that situation, but he gave me the strength to walk every day. The disciples saw firsthand the difference compassion makes for someone who desperately needs it. Can I tell you today, sometimes all we need is know that somebody cares. If we know God cares, or if we know someone else cares, it gives us something that we can make another day. We have seen it so many times in life. Every time God works a miracle for us, He shows us how much He cares for us. When, he, when we see that he does things for us, every time he, he answers a prayer, every time he does something for us, that just shows us how much he cares for us. The God of the universe, the one who spun the planets and molded the mountains, cares that we cry. Can I tell you, the scripture talks about he, 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 our every tear is counted. Can I tell you that every tear that we cry in the night is not a waste. God hears our cry. And he cares that we cry. And he dries our tears. Don't lose hope and don't, don't offer excuses for why you're disqualified from a miracle. Today, if you're going through something in your life, God, is, can, God can take care of that need. We don't have to make excuses why he doesn't. Have faith that Jesus, who cares enough to show up Bethesda's pool cares enough to show up whenever you are or wherever you are. Can I tell you, if he showed up for this man at that pool, he'll also show up in the middle of your, your crisis. He'll show up in the middle of whatever you're going through. And that day, the people were happy that was around. Jesus was happy. The man who was healed was leaping over the moon happy. Because you would imagine. The disciples were happy, although that they were still a little awestruck. But not everybody in Jerusalem was happy that this man was healed. The religious upper crust worked to kill Jesus because he had worked this wonder on the Sabbath day. Nevertheless, Jesus worked this wonder. It didn't matter that he healed this man. They looked for excuse because he did it on the Sabbath. 
They demanded to know why Jesus intentionally violated the law of the Sabbath and worked a miracle and even commanded this man to violate the law by carrying his bed from the pool. Didn't Jesus know that carrying a bed was considered work by the law? They had their handy, laminated book that contained all the possible Sabbath violations in case anyone dared to work on the Sabbath. Have you ever saw people that way? Had their little checklist, okay. Here's, here's the laws that you can get by with. This is the law you can. That's why we don't live by the law sometimes in, in life. That's why we don't have a rule book posted in the foyer. You got to check off this is how what you got to do to be a, be a Christian or be a part of this church. You have to have a relationship with God. Certainly healing someone and carrying nearly everything that he owned constituted as a violation. Both Jesus and the man who was healed deserved to be judged according to the Jewish law. The leaders cornered the man, but he didn't have a ready answer to satisfy their curiosity. They stated, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. The man answered in, in verse 11 of chapter 5. He says, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. The man didn't know the law as well as the leaders did, obviously. But he knew that Jesus told him to carry his bed. So he did it. Today, if you've been going through something for 38 years, and God delivered you from that situation, it wouldn't matter what the law said, no matter what anybody else said. If the man that just healed your sickness told you to pick up your bed and walk, you'd pick your bed up and walk, no matter what the consequences is, because nobody else had made you well for 38 years. The leaders continued to grill him on who or why or how dare he, but the man did not know. All he knew was he was healed. And that's probably all he really cared, is he was healed. But this Jesus of Nazareth had caused enough trouble already. He was reported to work miracles, but this time he had crossed the line by working on the Sabbath. For this capital crime, he would pay with his life. Sorry, I technology here <laughs> he would pay with his life the leaders continued to grill him on why he and why did sorry about that but Jesus answered my father worketh hitherto and I work he was saying my father works so I also work something in his tone of voice or body language told him who his father was they did not think Immediately, they didn't think of Joseph or another mere mortal, even for a minute. They, they knew Jesus was referring to the Almighty God. They knew what way his tone of voice or the way he, his, his body language, that he wasn't talking about Joseph, his father. The Bible says in John 5 and 18, it says, Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but now also that God was his father, 
making himself equal with God. Now they was, he did more than just break the Sabbath. Now they're saying he, he's saying he's the son of God or he's making himself equal with God. They thought Jesus was just a man trying to be God. But they had it all backwards. Jesus was God incarnated. But they could not understand that. This moment should have been a signal moment for their Jews. But can I tell you today, they missed it. Here it was, him showing them who he really was. By healing this man. By doing what he'd done. All the miracles he showed. He was showing them moments of time of exactly who he was. But they missed it. Can I tell you today, we cannot afford to make that same mistake. Jesus is not just a prophet. Jesus is not just a preacher or a wonder worker or a healer or an outstanding teacher. Jesus is the almighty God who came in flesh. He is, he is Lord and he is God. He is not just the lamb that laid in the manger in Bethlehem. He is also the lion that roared out of the grave in Jerusalem. The miracle is recorded along with all the other miracles that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that, that believing ye might have life through his name. Jesus was not finished. He continued to testify for 29 more verses as the accusers even grew angrier. Can I tell you, even though they were angry one time, but he just kept testifying of who he was. Since they called this trial to order, Jesus produced witnesses of his own who would testify of his identity and his authority. The first witness was the wild man himself, John the Baptist. None of these probably accusers probably owned a John the Baptist jersey because he had called them to repent along with the other ranked sinners. Even no matter how Christian they were, he told them they needed to repent. He called them sinners and he preached to them the message, turn or burn. But John bore witness of Jesus as John was the voice in the, of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. The accusers needed a stronger witness than John. So Jesus called his father to testify. He could have called no higher, no holier witness to the stand. God himself had commissioned the man Christ, Jesus, to work to the work he was doing. And Jesus was doing what he was doing when he was doing it, even on the Sabbath day, as a testimony of, to his divine identity. Jesus did not come with a handwritten to-do list that he came up with overnight. Jesus didn't come with a checklist that he, that he came up with. Jesus was doing the Father's work. He was doing what he came to do because he came what he, he was doing the work that he put on the fleshly body to do as he came to reach souls and to reach and change lives and came to be a sacrifice for sin. In case the father was a too lofty or for them or to believe, Jesus called on one at least one more witness. He called on Moses. They reverend Moses. They believed they were upholding the law that Moses gave them to uphold. But Jesus let them know that Moses had written about him. Even the law that they were, they were trying to uphold, the law that they were trying to do, they, they were trying to 
do what Moses had left them to do. But Jesus told them that Moses wrote about me. The scriptures where, where Moses prophesied of a coming Messiah, they all pointed to Jesus. Jesus fulfilled each of these prophecies to the letter. The wonders Jesus' work coupled with the testimonies of his star witnesses should have been enough for the Jews to bow down and to worship him. But can I tell you today, they refused. They refused to bow down to him. They refused to accept who he said he was. They refused to do what, to do what God intended them to do. If they truly listened to Moses, they would truly listen to Jesus. If they were really truly listening to what Moses said and taking to heart the laws, they would, really, they would have truly listened to Jesus. But they did not believe Moses' word, obviously. So how would they believe Jesus' words? We are called to believe the word of God for ourselves. Can I tell you today, this word of God is, is direction for our lives. And we are called to believe the word. We're called to apply this word to our lives. Jesus commands us the same as he commanded them. He said, search the scriptures for in them are they which testify of me. Can I tell you today, God gave us a plan. God gave us a way of direction. And that direction is this word of God. He tells us to search this word. This word will tell you who he is. This word will tell you how to live. From the beautiful beginning of Genesis 1 all the way through the beginning, beautiful ending in Revelation 22, the scripture testifies that Jesus was coming, Jesus was, has come, and Jesus is coming back. And can I tell you today, just as powerful as when he, he, that he was coming, it was prophesied and it came true that he came, he is coming back for a church one day. On the day after the 38 years of waiting for a miracle at the pool, Jesus healed the lame beggar. But what happened on the next day? Today is what I'll talk about for a few minutes. He came on after 38 years and he healed a man of a 38-year sickness. But on the next day, this man had become a fixture at the side of the pool. He became, certainly you would see him there every day. As, as sure as the sun shined in the east and the dims in the west, the 38-year-long lame beggar at the poolside would be lame and he would be begging every day. He was someone that you saw every day. No matter if you went by the pool, there he was. He probably had his, if he'd been there for 38 years, he probably had his little corner over there by his side. He'd probably been there long enough that he probably had a little seniority around the pool. To tell you, you know, today, as I said earlier, as I talked about the homeless communities in, in, in our life and our cities today, sometimes when you see some that have been established there for a while and you see they have, they're, the, they're, the, they're in charge. They're, they're, they have, they're the ones that's been there longer, they kind of have their, they're seniority places. And, and so even though in, in, in the top of this city or where he's at in the lane, we find him. People know, knew who he was. They saw him every day, but not this day. His absence from the poolside 
was evidence that something had happened. Doubtless people ask where he was. Could you imagine? I mean, people that had been laying there beside him for several years said, where's old brother so-and-so? He, he was lame. I saw him got up and walked, but did that just, was that just for the yesterday or was that just for that? They maybe ask, did he die from his affliction? Or did someone carry him to their house? Can I tell you, all the answers to these questions is no. Because Jesus healed him. He was no longer lame. And he was no longer a beggar. He was completely healed. Can I tell you today, God, when God does something, he does it complete. The evidence of the, and the witnesses were piling up for who Jesus really was. And when we go through the Bible, we love to read about the miracles that Jesus did. We love to read about his his three and a half years of ministry. We love to hear about all these ministries. When you think about the short time that he was in ministry, and when you read about what he did in the short few years, you know, you can see that they should have saw... I mean, you would think I mean, if that if somebody was had a a miracle com- campaign and they had a you know they had the miracle ministry or whatever and somebody was making healing that many sick people in his three and a half years, they would have said something. They knew something was about him. But here they would knew who he was because the prophecy all had showed to who Jesus was. No one else could do what Jesus was doing and what he could do. Although the Jews were upset. Jesus had worked on the Sabbath. None of them could deny that a man who had been unable to walk for 38 years was walking. Neither could they prove that even one scripture on this one scroll contradicted who Jesus was or what he, what he could do or what he would do. But these Jewish leaders were unwilling to believe Partly because they knew it would mean they would have to lose their power and their influence. They'd have to lose that to him. They were not ready to give that up. Further, they, if they believed who he was, they would have to do something about it. They would have to repent of their sins and follow him. If they really believe, truly believed who he is, and I feel like sometimes that's where we are today. If we truly believe who Jesus is. If we truly believe that he died for our sins, we have to do something about that. And we have to repent and follow him. They were not, they were, and they were not ready to do that, those steps either. I ask you today, what about you? What about you? What further evidence do you need that who Jesus is? We have the word of God, the testimonies of God himself, and the wonders that Jesus worked, which no man could have worked. We have all this evidence of who he is and what he can do for you, how he can change your life. What else do you need? We have the the glory of all creation. We can just look at this, look at outside and, and the trees, the birds. We see what he, he spoke into existence. We see what he created. He created us with his own hands. 
we see all that glory of the creation which declares the God of the glory of God. We take all that in. We search the scriptures. We comb through the evidence. But today I ask you to take a long look at your own life. And you will see what the Jews should have seen. Jesus is the almighty God. As we go through life, we find ourselves. Going through life, we find ourselves looking, looking for something new. I think God put, God put something in our life, an emptiness in our life that we all search for. And I feel like sometimes what we're looking for, Jesus has it right in front of us. Just like, just like these Jewish leaders, he was walking right beside them. But why didn't they accept it? Why didn't they accept who he was? Today I ask us, you know, we, look, we see that and we look at that and we say, I mean, if I saw a guy healing people and saying he was this and that, you know, I mean, seeing him deliver people and do things on the street, you would, you would honor what he said. If he said he was God, you know, and so today I feel like sometimes in life we find ourselves going through life looking for something that's right in front of us. Jesus, Jesus put it, the words in Scripture to direct us to him. So I ask us today, are we going to be like these Jewish leaders? Are we going to overlook what Jesus did for us? Are we going to overlook who he really is? And I ask us today, are we, are we going to take a closer look of our own lives and allow God to use, work through us and do things in our life? Today, as we stand across here today, I begin to close. I ask us today. We have a decision to make. As we comb through the scriptures, we search, we comb through the evidence of what God has did for us. I ask us today, are we going to turn our backs on God? Or are we going to step into what he has for us? Let us pray today. Lord, I ask us to touch us and I ask you to anoint us, Lord. I ask you to minister right now, Lord Jesus, through this congregation, Lord. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to touch each one of us today. Lord, I ask you to lead and guide us today, Lord Jesus. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, to, to allow your presence to be revealed to us. Lord Jesus, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to allow us not to overlook what we have for you, Lord. And we ask you, Lord Jesus, to touch and anoint us today and minister to us today, Lord Jesus. And touch us and anoint us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.